bears, moles, and the enduring debate about whether it's tougher to be gay or Christian in America. We've got all that and more coming up, so stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. From heaven above with wisdom. Phil Svitek. Hello, I'm polyamorous. Polyamorous is very brave of you. I microdosing my cereal. It's very brave of me. You are no. What do they say? A pioneer. Yes, I'm a pioneer. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a damn pioneer, and my name is Jeff, and this is the Silicon Valley After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Of course, we're in the middle of season five. This is episode four, Phil. Absolutely. I am Phil Svitek, and I'm glad to say that we have cut all the Christians off from the rest of this panel. Yes, except, guys, I do identify as Christian. Very controversial. <clears throat> Phil knows that. What? I know. Am I allowed to stay? You know, it's interesting. I actually feel like it's safer to be a Christian in Los Angeles than in Silicon Valley. Eh, not entirely true. See, I feel like L.A., though, kind of has this culture of, like, if you worship crystals, that's fine. If you worship tea leaves, if you worship the stars... You can kind of just do whatever you want. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. That's right, guys. Today on the Silicon Valley After Show, we have a lot to talk about. Of course, we have our episode, which did cover, very controversially, the topics of Christianity and homosexuality. But we also have some great segments, including Silicon Valley in real life. And Phil, we have a bombshell of a news story today. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, so that's your tease. And it's, uh, I will say, we got some juicy news today related to our very own TJ Miller. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, but I say we get into overall thoughts right now. Phil, how did you feel about Season 5, Episode 4 of Silicon Valley, called Tech Evangelist? We returned to form. If, if you guys listened last week, you guys know it wasn't my favorite episode. This one, we're back on it. And I appreciate the fact that the hunt for the mole wasn't a long, drawn-out thing. It was just very quick. And now we're having fun with it. There's new business to attend to. So we'll see. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good episode, too. I gotta say, I appreciated the subversion of our expectations with this A-plot. The Christianity versus homosexuality, and then I thought there was a really, really smart turn with all these tech nerds at the end, where this kind of dichotomy was pushed even further. A trichotomy, is that a word? Um, so I'm excited to get into it. I also do want to quickly say, we're missing a Christian and a Nate this week. Fellas, we miss you. But they're sick. Come on, guys. Because they're Christians. Because they're Christ- Christian. Christian is a Christian who is sick and infected yes. Nate with his Christianity, hence he is no longer welcome. I would be surprised to hear that Nate endorses the teachings of Jesus Christ, but I don't know. I've never asked him. Nate, you can tell us next week. Um, let's go ahead and get into our coverage, though. I think the topics I want to cover today are, first, this whole Christianity versus homosexuality versus tech worship is what I'm going to call our A story. Our B story is, of course, the question of who actually owns the 10% of Pied Piper that we've been talking about all season. We have our C-plot, which is the bear is sticky from honey, and then we have some leftovers. But let's go ahead and start with this A-plot, which is the religious story. Silicon Valley takes on religion. Phil, how did you feel about this subplot specifically? I appreciated it from a very basic standpoint that, as Richard kind of, we, we always get into this pattern where we want to better the world. That, that, that was the phrase for a number of seasons, and now it's we want to create an all-inclusive uh, new internet and so forth. And I, what I love, what we're satirizing is the idea of people being all inclusive mm-hmm. and yet being quite the opposite. I agree with you, Phil. I um, We've been doing themes for each of these episodes. We said pettiness. We said sneakiness. I'd say 
inclusivity versus exclusivity might be mm-hmm. the theme of this episode. I think it's a really sharp observation on your part. Um, let's start with these the octopipers. Okay. So the very first thing we see is that Phil... Phil. See, he's our very own Richard, you guys. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Phil is our CCO of After Buzz? I would be, well... CTO? COO. COO. Um, I should know that because I work for him, but um, Richard has these eight potential new partners with the new internet that he's launching. Um, he's calling them the Octopipers, which doesn't necessarily fly with the rest of the characters in the show. Uh, but basically, these are the first companies that he wants to launch this new internet with. And importantly, one of the characters in this group is a gay CEO who is launching a exclusively gay dating platform. Now, I think what was interesting was at first we thought that this whole exclusivity theme was going to be about the fact that the only people out on the app were gay. Is that kind of where you saw this going before the turn was introduced? A little bit. I mean, it was obviously very early on, and if you kind of look at it, this is the second episode in a row where, or sorry, not in a row, but certainly within the season where Richard's inclusiveness has come into question. The first one is being Asians. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope he's not a nativist. Um, okay, so everything seems fine until we go to K-Hole, which is this independent gaming company, um, kind of similar to maybe like a Blizzard Entertainment. I don't know. I'm not a huge gamer, but maybe for you guys in the comments, let us know what you think the analog to this company might be. First thing I got to say, I enjoyed the elements of overly violent video game satire that we saw when they first walked into the office. That's pretty I'm, funny. Absolutely, and, and the fact that everyone's playing it... it it kind of has that very gaming culture, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It's a when you, when you talk about that uh, a gay dating app is a subset of dating apps. Well, I think when you talk about gamers and specifically game development, it's a subset of the Silicon Valley culture mm-hmm. and programmers. So I, I appreciate that. If if you're a gamer, uh, I'm not too big of a gamer, but I, I I got enough of it where I could laugh. Yeah. I did like the moment where we see a very, very violent death with innards splaying all over the screen, and Richard goes, oh, that won't be an open casket funeral. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, but of course, we the importance of this moment was um, Cahill is, of course, a large independent gaming company, and they're interested in potentially partnering with um, Richard's new Pied Piper internet, um, owing to a... <laughs> funny connection through Lori Bream that I want to save for our last section. But Richard outs this gay CEO as a Christian. And of course, that's the moment that's so controversial. Well, I, I don't want to, I don't know exactly where you're going with the Lori thing, but in particular, for me, one of, one of the things that she says is, oh, smart strategy. So you talk less. Yeah. <laughs> and if only he had stuck to that strategy. You're right. You know, I feel, it's always this thing where, Richard, the irony is he feels like somehow he can and knows how to talk to the VCs of the world, the CEOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because uh, specifically I'm pointing out when we had the whole restructure and he couldn't talk to his coders. You would think the one, the, the, the one set of people that he could talk to is developers, right? And yet it's not. And so here he feels the need to just talk on and on and on and feels like he knows exactly what to say. And yet he doesn't. He should have just stuck to the strategy and talk less. He should have stuck to the script. Um, so, of course, he outs this CEO as a Christian. And this uh, the CEO of this video game company played very well by... Oh, I just looked at Neil. By Neil Casey, that's right, who's a UCB guy I've um, liked for a long time. Um, this is the line that you don't cross in Silicon Valley. Anyone who 
actually believes in the teaching of Jesus, believes in the teachings of Jesus Christ is crazy. They're delusional. They're repugnant, according to this. And um, we have this really, really, I think, funny and smart conversation about how it's fine for him to be gay. As we mentioned, polyamory is fine, whatever, but you cannot be a Christian in the Valley. How did you feel about this turn when we got to it in the episode? I, I appreciate it because it is classic Richard not knowing when to stop. You know, in that sense, rather than just he's he's never ha- he never has the confidence to just let things be, right? And if it's going to be made a point, just deal with it after the fact, as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to get ahead of it, right? And seeing like, but it's okay, you know. He's yeah. So the app might be gay. He might be gay. Everything's all good. <laughs> you know um he has this weird sense of moral and judgment and if he just let that go mm-hmm. then everything would be fine yeah i do want to credit thomas middleditch because i think we've seen all these characters grow and actors i think the performances and characters have grown obviously it's we're five seasons into a comedy show that should be happening but i mentioned it before on the after show but richard has become a very sharply physical performer um i think if you watch Obviously, we know it's a good performance, but there's a lot of subtleties and details that I think are making this performance really excellent, including just all these weird twitches. And there was one moment when he was scratching the back of his ear this episode, and that just represents examples of really, really smart, deliberate choice choices as an actor that I think are really elevating his performance. So I do think he's playing the sort of neurotic, socially awkward coder in a smarter and more specific way every time we see him on this show. Yeah, what I, what I appreciated was the dichotomy that's fully brought out later. Of wait, you, uh, yeah, my dad wants his gay son back. Yeah, I know. I thought that was so smart. He's like, yeah, I mean, my dad won't even talk to me anymore, and all he wants is his gay son back. <laughs> I thought this was such sharp writing and just interesting. I think Mike Judge has always not only been interested in satirizing the culture of tech and corporate America, but also. I think sometimes overly progressive woke America, I think like Mike Judge is interested in sometimes cutting down folks who believe that their ideology is on the precipice of progressiveness, but is actually sometimes pretty backwards. Absolutely. And in a weird way, Richard is kind of like a surrogate for the audience Mm -hmm. because he's so clueless about the world. (laughs) And, you know, the fact that Palo Alto is all about non-Christianity. Right. Uh, so it, it works on that level as well. So I was reading some interesting coverage from AV Club today that was mentioning they thought this was handled with too light a touch. Like the writers were afraid to kind of really dig in and offer a point, a tangible point about Christianity. I don't feel that way, but I'm wondering if you see any validity in that critique. Well, I just don't understand what the point would be. Right. Other than that, the fact of this whole idea of inclusivity only works insofar as as an idea, but if all of a sudden something comes in opposition of my world belief and, and affects me more directly, then we have a problem. Right. And how do you hold up that whole, yay, we're all inclusive mentality? You can't. Um, yeah, I think the thing I liked about this subplot was I think people will see whatever they want to see. People will project their own worldview on the characters. I think like people who are vehemently anti-Christian will agree with these coders and say, yeah, like, that is a backwards worldview, whereas I think Christians will probably watch this subplot and think, yeah, we are persecuted. You know, I think, like, if they would have gone into too many specifics, Mike Judge would have been losing out on the identifiability of this subplot for whatever group is watching it. Yeah, I mean, it, 
it had enough humor as far as like Richard trying to be again all inclusive, and yet the way he's going about it in that second round of meeting of you know, so what if his beliefs are wrong or mm-hmm. we like I forget all the actual terminology, but the fact that he was just so insulting, <laughs> vile and repugnant, <laughs> I think is what he said. Yeah, and the fact that then that just launched a whole debate about robots versus non-robots and this and that and just evolved into just this absolute thing and yet it it just proved that they're okay with it at the the end of the day it's just do your work type of thing well that's what was so smart to me was this final turn where yeah richard mentions the backward mentality of subscribing to a higher power and then all of these tech nerds are talking about how they will one day be enslaved by artificial intelligence and I just thought it was such an interesting turn that these nihilistic atheists are still, in a sense, bowing down to a different form of, like, idol worship. Mm-hmm. And that's AI or, you know, I, I just thought we saw this arguably spiritual debate happen immediately after they discredited the, val- or the validity of spirituality. The only thing missing from that scene was Guilfoyle with his satan- <laughs> satan- satanism, yeah. but uh, yeah. with <laughs> it's satanism with a hint of something something tendencies. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's such a hilariously specific detail, but yeah, it would have been fun to see Guilfoyle offer his worldview there. But I mean, at the end of the day, everyone has a spiritual worldview. It's just is a matter of where you land, you know. Yeah, I think what they're really talking about is this idea that it's just so taboo. Yeah. And, you know, in order to be at peace with each other, we all just have to kind of shut our mouths mm-hmm. and not say anything. Yeah. And and in essence, it's whatever the trend is, right? So in this sense, like, oh, not only is gay okay, it's better, as Monica points out. Right. That works in our favor. Oh, yeah, that was what was great. She's like, no, 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 push that. Just pull back on the other stuff. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Um, and I'd be curious to hear what you guys think in the comments. I mean, I think this is the first time the show has kind of taken around religion. You could argue it's a controversial topic, but I think the show handled it with a pretty light touch. I Do mean, you... I'd say the show's taken on Christianity multiple times through Guilfoyle. Yeah, that's true. But I, I don't feel like it's ever identified another side. Like, I don't feel like the show's ever... Taking a stance, really. Okay. I don't even know if it did this episode either, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't think it did. I think it just presented it well, and you decide how you want to ultimately view it. Right. But I don't think at any point it says, don't don't believe in Christianity. I didn't feel that way either. But I'd be curious to hear what you guys think in the comments. Do you think the show should have gone in harder? Do you think the show's light touch was the right one? Um, and ultimately, did you enjoy this subplot? Because I think, ultimately, it was a, a much more philosophical, less plot-driven sort of story than sometimes we see on this show, especially for such a plot-driven comedy. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. At the end of the day, I thought it was pretty smart. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, let's go ahead and move on to something more directly narrative-related, and that's, of course, this 10% ownership in Pied Piper question that's kind of been on the back burner all season with Jin Yang. Um, of course, Jin Yang, as who he thinks to be the 10% owner, has been harassing Richard with these phone calls. Did you think this was funny, that... Jin Yang keeps calling Richard and leaving voicemails. I actually do. I, th- I thought it was very funny. You know, it, it's so within his character. Um, and one of the funnier lines of all of this uh, was Jared in opposition of Jin Yang and saying, you can't just glom on to other stuff and call it new. Right. You're building new, <laughs> new, internet. new, new internet. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. I will say, though, 
this is the, I know Nate has kind of fallen off the Jin Yang train, but the rest of us have sort of been on board. I'm starting to lose my footing. I'm feeling like Jin Yang's becoming a little one note. Okay, yeah, but he's not overused, and I think in this sense they were pushing him a lot harder. If this was wrestling, he'd be the bad character, the heel, the heel. of the show. Yeah. And so, you know, in that sense, you're not supposed to like him. Right. He kicked them out of the house. And while it was initially funny of like, okay, uh, Ehrlich, blah, 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 now he's gone the complete opposite route. And I don't think we're going to see him much, uh, just based on the way the episode ended. Right. But we had to get to that point where they would ha- just be absolutely... Not even frustrated, but just uh, I'm Over. trying to find. The, yeah, I'm tr- not not frustrated, not upset, but like whatever term for anger and hatred that you can quantify to the nth degree. Right. I think it wasn't so much the one dimensionality of the character, but honestly, just like the I feel like he's being overdirected to be so like Asian. I want to tread lightly here, but there's there's a sense in which I almost feel like we got versions of Jin Yang that felt a little rounder in previous seasons. And I almost feels like the joke, like the the humor we're supposed to be getting out of Jin Yang is like how he mispronounces words. And something about the way he was directed this episode kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. But that might just be me. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, his his English certainly has not improved much. Right. You know, I, I'd be, you'd have to kind of track the scales. But in terms of him ever coming close to a semblance of, of any fluentness. Right. <laughs> that he's not come close yet. So I, I, I could see your point. Well, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think in the comments, because I know that's sort of been in the internet. In the internet. That's how techie I am. But I know that debate's kind of been existing around on different message boards and coverage sites. So I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. But importantly, we learned that Jin Yang probably isn't the 10% owner in the company he thought he was because Big Head is still technically partnered with Bach Manity and Sanity from season three? Season four? Yeah, season three. Um, because he thought he dissolved the company, but instead he mailed a menu for Mr. Chow's. How did you feel about the return of Nelson Bigetti? I thought it was... Very well done. Yeah. We start off with a nice, lighthearted joke of like, oh, just like your name. Oh, Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> Which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> this was so funny. And, and of course, it just sort of his incompetence works in his favor. Yeah. He fails upwards, you know? Like, he, no matter how, the dumber he gets, the more he succeeds, which is a very Mike Judgey trope. But, yeah, it was so nice to see Josh Brenner again. I just think, like... He's, not only is he a well-written character, but he just brings such a goofy dumbness to the role that I never get tired of. Yeah, and I kind of we don't spend too much time on it simply for simply for the fact that there's so much other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like you, you would normally think, oh, okay, as far as their friendship is concerned, the way last season ended, the way just the, him and Richard's friendship has gone this entire show series that it would be a good moment of like oh, okay you're finally back in the company you got 10 percent. we're good everything worked out like let's buy let bygones be bygones and yet it's just so overshadowed with everything else that's going on mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a busy season um so ultimately we don't know what the fate of big head's connection to pied piper is going to be but that seed was planted i thought in a very funny and efficient way 
Most importantly, though, the very last thing we see in this episode is that Jin Yang is no longer in the States. He presumably has left for China to launch his own new, new internet, borrowing from Richard's code. How did you feel about this twist at the end of the episode? It seems very Jin Yang. He does have a corrupt uncle yeah. <laughs> in China. Yeah. Uh, so it, it works in that regard. I mean, just based off of the way it was set up last week, it. I don't know if this was like where it was headed, but certainly it's no surprise that he was going to steal something and be mm-hmm. corrupt about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, we don't necessarily know who exactly has ownership in Pied Piper right now, but I do know who has ownership in AfterBuzz TV, and that's our very own CEO, Maria Menounos, a famed entertainment journalist who gives us plenty at this network, and she can give something back to you, which is her podcast. Phil, you want to tell me more about that? Absolutely. If you like to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life, not just Christianity, (laughs) um, then... This is the podcast for you. Conversations with Maria Manunos is the name of the podcast. It is hosted by our very own founder, Maria, and it drops every Friday on the good old iTunes, as we like to call it here. Conversations with Maria Manunos features celebrity and influencer interviews, along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of your life, from health and wellness to career, relationships, finances, and more. Let our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. All you have to go is to iTunes, subscribe to Conversations with Maria. Manunos, just like with this podcast, it is 100% free. In fact, it's 110% free. Mm-hmm. And if you do so, listen, take a, take a gander, and let, it, let her know what you think. Let us know. Let her know that it was us who sent you there by saying Silicon Valley. Absolutely. I know um, a lot of you guys might have an image of Maria as this very polished e-news red carpet correspondent which she is but what's kind of fun she's is, a lot more like richard than you think she's more like richard than you think and what's fun is for those of you guys who want to tune in she really shows us who she is on her serious show and she doesn't have to subscribe to the standards of network so she's from boston she might have a edgier worldview than you would expect and i was on the show last week and we talked all about a sex robot and we got into some very specifics of the psychology of having sex with the robot which is a very silicon valley-esque topic so there's more for you than you think if you're a fan of Silicon Valley. So you should definitely check out Marie's podcast. And I'm all going to say, Marie has nothing like Richard Hendricks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I think in terms of the genius and ability to build something, she is. But I'd say she has relatively more social skills than Richard. Absolutely. Um, so I do want to talk about this Gavin subplot. I got to say, did not love this The Bear is Sticky with Honey joke. And I'm starting to feel like they're really trying to shoehorn Gavin into this season. How did you feel? Uh, I, I feel like we, I feel like he's shoehorned in this particular moment. I think there's going to be a lot more for him to do, which I can certainly talk about in predictions. But as far as this, yeah, it might be a stretch. But I thought it was funny enough in terms of what it was trying to say, where just everyone has these catchphrases and and these philosophies, and we've seen in particular Gavin be so grand and, and use animals during his board meetings and so forth. And if you kind of if you go back and rewatch it, it sets up the joke perfectly because he is in fact right before he walks out using the bear with the honey. I saw that. Yeah. So you have to the first time around, you kind of have to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was fine. It just kind of reminded me an example of sometimes in such a plot-driven comedy show, this felt like a reminder to the audience, like don't forget about Gavin, but like how do we make it funny? And I don't know. It almost felt like it was 
plot at the expense of a joke. Like I, they knew they needed to keep us privy to what's happening in the world of Huli, and they just needed something funny to happen. And I don't know. I don't. The payoff didn't really land for me personally. But well, the the, the fact of the matter was there wasn't a stronger tie-in between the mole and and Gavin. Mm-hmm. Part of part of why they kept on Jared or not, uh, sorry Jeff, Jeff was the fact that too many J's. Yeah. Uh, was the fact that otherwise, you know, so they would become suspicious over at Hooli and therefore, you know, do something drastic or whatever. You know, one can only speculate. So they, they're they keeping him on board. Right. Which is a whole subplot of itself, yeah. of what they're doing with, with Jeff in terms of Dave and Busters and yeah, BattleBots. Right. I forgot about the Jeff stuff. This was This is funny to me. I actually like the way this is operating and... I think it's a funny way to be using Dinesh, who I think is a little bit sidelined this season. Um, but I think, like, yeah, I think this this is pretty... This is working for me. Yeah, and I, I thought there just needs to be a stronger connection because when when Gavin says, I'm going to Jackson Hole, don't bother me for any regard, there was plenty of opportunity to to throw something, right? Mm-hmm. And we, whether that be false information to the mole that gets back to Hoover... Who knows? But uh, yeah. but we chose the bear is sticky with honey. Yeah, um, I will say one of my favorite moments of the season so far is this hard cut to Dinesh singing karaoke right before we break into the credits. I mm-hmm. thought that was hilarious. I don't know how you felt about that, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, because I'm, I'm glad that they figured it out. That's what made yeah. it so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, to go back to the bear thing, though, I will say. And there is a side to things where you f- you feel like you're very specific with what you say, and yet it makes no sense to yeah. other people. Because if you really break it down, the bear is sticky with honey. Right. It it works. It it's a hundred percent true. It's not like he's being um, vague about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so it, it's just funny to see the frustration of people like. What Wait, I mean? what do I need to say to you guys? Like I said, the bear is sticky with honey. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm excited to see what happens with Gavin, and we'll get into that in predictions. I did enjoy seeing his dick signature again. That is also a joke that never gets old for me. Um, I just want to talk about some of the leftover stuff we haven't addressed yet. Lori Bream is back, which is great. As you guys know, she's one of my favorite characters on this show. Stop. Whatever it is you're doing. Whatever it stop. is you're doing, just stop. Um, she takes acid for postpartum depression, which I thought was a hilarious thing to learn from her. And one thing I will say about this episode, we kind of got everyone. We got we got Big Head, we got Jin Yang, we got Lori Breen, we got Monica. We get no Russ Henneman, which makes me sad. No Ron Laflamme, although he was no mentioned by name. He was mentioned by name, but I was actually talking to a commenter on our video from last week um, who was saying they miss seeing Lori Bream and Big Head, so they're back. And I do think when you have such a deep bench of these hilarious kind of guest characters... It seems silly not to bring them in, so I was glad to see that they used those characters well. And can we all just agree and applaud? I, to be honest, I didn't talk about it in the past episodes, but I was very curious to see who would who the official tow company of Pied Piper would be. <laughs> so I'm I'm just ecstatic the fact that we got that resolution. We got that payoff, man. I've been on bated breath. We finally found out. Although there is a okay, so as far as that's concerned, uh, just a quick little side note: you did interview Zach Woods. He mm-hmm. mentioned to you that uh, he could have potentially been a sex worker. Yes, and it came to fruition. That's my and, next point, Phil, you're on it. Keep going. It came to fruition this episode 
because just like a narc or or you know cops they can't show and do those things to prove that they are actual sex workers i have the quote Look, cutting all ties to Dee Dee and First Strike will definitely send a strong message to Colin. And it might be the only way. Like killing someone to prove you're not a narc. Or showing a John your genitals to prove you're a legitimate male prostitute and not an undercover cop. So funny. Oh, this is the tow truck company. I gotta take this. <laughs> yeah, the way just they... no blinking. Uh, just such a good character. Um, finally, great callback. Richard knows a lot about gay specificity. Like a Donald Duck. Like a Donald Duck. And that's a Russ Henneman callback. Good job, writers. <laughs> Good job. Anything... And what was his uh, grandfather's name? Oh, I can't remember. And it's not beautiful like the, the, the Pedro way or something like that. Let us know in the comments. If you're a real super fan, you know the name of Russ Henneman's gay uncle. No, grandfather. Uh, grandfather. See, look at me. Kick it's me his off grandfather. this grandfather. Okay. It's beautiful, though. It's really, really beautiful. Um... Let's talk about anything else before we move on to some of our segments. Well, overall, I think we talked about it. I mean, you know, yeah. there's just so much beauty to this episode, but as far as the big stuff, we got it. I think we got it. Anything we're missing, of course, continue the conversation with us. In fact, let's talk about the conversation you can continue with us, guys, because if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you might not know we have a podcast on iTunes. If you're listening in your car on the way to work or to get groceries or whatever you may be doing, we have a YouTube. So it's sort of fun to consume the show in both ways. You get different experiences by doing either way. But most importantly, if you're watching on YouTube right now, go ahead and hit that like button for us. It helps you more than you know. As you guys can see, I'm always in the comments of our YouTube videos, so I'll engage with you there. And if you're on iTunes, go ahead and throw us that five-star rating. Just so you guys know, iTunes uses an algorithm that will upvote our show if you are rating it. So super helpful if you guys could do that for us, because we bring you this content for free. It's the least you can do. But for real, it's helpful, and we'd appreciate it. Also, we're on Twitter, so you can connect with us there. We'd love to continue the conversation. Absolutely. With that being said, I say we get into our Silicon Valley in real life segment. To remind you guys, this is a moment of the show where I will present three stories about real life Silicon Valley, but only one of them is true. All right. Well, usually this is a lot more fun for me because I have other people to contend with. Yes. So this is all on me this week. You'll just have to think out loud. All right. So we're going with patent-related stories this week. So I have three major patents that huge tech companies have filed. First, we have Apple. Apple has patented the eggshell white SphericCube design, which is common to its iPods, so that no other company can borrow the design. And the article I read was specific to note that the patent only holds if the color is eggshell white. Another story that may or may not be true is that Google has patented an adhesive flypaper to its self-driving cars on the hood so that if these cars strike pedestrians, the pedestrians will stick to the hood of the car. And the third story I have is about Hewlett-Packard, and that's that Hewlett-Packard has applied for an exclusivity patent on sex toys for its 3D printers in hopes that they can monopolize the market. When asked about it, HP CEO Dion Weisler offered... Come on, it's tech nerds who are going to be buying these printers, so those assets will be in high demand, and we're trying to corner the market on sex toys. Okay, the third one is false. I would have believed you, because, no offense, remember, I mean, Pod Piper has taught us that the sex industry drives a lot of innovation. <laughs> so up until the, the nerds, I would have believed you on that one. Okay, okay. So you gave yourself away there. Fair enough. Uh, I... I, I you know what? I'm going to go with number two, the car st stickiness um, to be true. You know what? It just feels right for this episode where the bear 
is sticky with honey, so the car is sticky with people. Let's go with that one. It's true. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil Tech is correct. I actually have a photo. Jules, do you want to pull up the diagram for the flypaper adhesive? It just, it just felt like it, if we're trying to save lives, people have done it in much more absurd ways, so why <laughs> not? True. Um, well, Phil, very good. You got it right this week. So just so you guys know, Google has, in fact, patented enormous adhesive flypaper for human beings for their self-driving cars. That was our Silicon Valley in Real Life segment. Um, but even better than that, we have some amazing news from Phil Speedtech himself. After Buzz TV News. Well, I think the biggest news that we start with is the fact that Barry and Silicon Valley have been renewed. For season, well, for new seasons. For Whee! in the case of Silicon Valley, it's season six. Yay! Amy Gravitt, who is the vice president of programming over at HBO, said while Barry has delighted audiences with its deft interplay of comedy and drama, Silicon Valley remains as brilliantly and frighteningly prescient as ever. We're thrilled that these two smart, funny shows are returning for another season. Both great. Have you seen Barry yet? I have not. I have not. It's really good. I'm actually um, watching it as well. And just so you guys know, we have an after show for Barry as well that airs immediately after this one and on the podcast. So check that out. Yeah. And Alex Berg, Alex Alec, Berger, yeah. is, is also an executive producer on that. So there's a Silicon Valley tie-in Indeed. for you there as well. Uh, there's I won't read the full article, but uh, Rolling Stone did a wonderful job of sort of identifying how season five is really hitting its stride especially in this facebook era you know right now zuckerberg is is over at congress testifying being Mm -hmm. questioned and so forth and what what they're really highlighting is how silicon valley the show is becoming a lot darker Mm -hmm. because of everything happening in the world and as such whether the writers could have predicted this or not they're saying this is really Guilfoyle season because he's always represented that dark side of of this world and especially with his neuroses over who's listening, who's not, yep. and so forth. And he's able to sort of combat that, whereas everyone else is a little bit happy-go-lucky about it. Yeah, I think the article like really sharply identified how privacy is the huge issue in tech right now. And yeah, the show is on as on top of it as it's ever been. So thanks for finding that article, Phil. For those who want to find that article as well, it's in Rolling Stone, and it is called... It's called Silicon Valley, Welcome to the Tech Industry's Heart of Darkness. Uh, definitely check that out. It's a good read. Um, just on a second note, you know, on their main ticker they also have some cannabis news oh nice nothing to do with anything just thought i'd tell you has to do with Ehrlich, but even more than that it's <laughs> yes been a indeed big week for tj miller it was it was so this news broke this past monday evening after we had finished up our show um as far as the actual incident it dates back to march 18th so it didn't get out until recently but Miller allegedly dialed 911 and t- told dispatchers that he was on an Amtrak train from Washington, D.C. to New York and that a female passenger had a bomb in her bag. Now, when questioned for a second time, he got all the initial details wrong. He switched up his story. And, in fact, there was no bomb found on the Amtrak train. Uh, we don't have more information than that apart from the fact that uh, – what did he call them? The train attendants themselves noted how he had been inebriated going onto the train and just continued drinking from there. So 
Was this a prank? Was this not? Who knows? As of right now, he could face up to five years in prison, although very, very early speculation as to what's going to happen. So I don't have more information beyond that. Again, the actual incident was back in March 18th. This is kind of wild. I mean, like, I it's interesting. I feel like since the beginning of this year, we've sort of seen this, I don't know, interesting kind of public display of instability from TJ Miller. And this only continues that trend. Yeah. Not a lot of saving grace. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you see celebrity couples break up and it ends up being like, okay, it's just mutual and it's fine and it's good. We remain friends, yada, yada, yada. This just just never ended correctly. And he's in the lore of Silicon Valley. And while the show continues to to, to, to work without him, yeah, his career has just been imploding. A little bit, yeah. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. Obviously, it was big news to break, especially around TJ Miller and... Obviously, if you guys have been following the news, you also know there's been some Me Too stuff surrounding um, his past as well. So, yeah, it has not been a great year for him (laughs) since he left the show. Let us know what you guys think. And, of course, remember, you can connect with us on Twitter. With that, though, I say we get into our final segment of this after show, which is, of course, your predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. I'll let you start, Phil. Well... The thing I want to – that ties in mostly to this episode was the fact that um, Hoover I, Hoover tells Gavin that, you know, I didn't realize they were this far along. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when I look at why Gavin was in this episode, though he didn't have a lot to do, I think it's just kind of reminding us that the mole and, and, and so forth. I'm worried for Jeff simply because of that fact. He is an original stallion. <laughs> uh, so – you know, I'm hoping everything goes okay with him. As far as everything else, um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to more of Big Head's involvement. Yes. And to see how things play out there, especially with the new, new internet in China. Yes. I want to echo everything you're saying. Um, I will say I would love a at least one subplot, even if it's a B story this season, positioned around Raviga. Just because I think that's awesome. It's not Raviga. It's Bream Hall. Bream Hall, I'm so sorry. Look at me. Um, but yeah, just I think that VC stuff specifically can be very funny. Um, so, you know, they'll pull in they'll pull in Lori Bream just for moments, but I would like maybe one specific subplot given to her this season just because I think she is consistently reliably funny. I'm also looking forward to whenever this presentation happens. I don't know when in the season it's going to fall, but I expect it to be reliably cringy and hilarious. So... Um, those are my predictions. You kind of never know. You don't appreciate show. the SSD and the ECCs and the. That was funny. As always, that was funny. Uh, well, guys, this has been your Silicon Valley After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Today we covered season five, episode four, Tech Evangelist, and we had a lot of thoughts. I'll say it one more time. Let us know what you think. Phil, where can them people find you on the internets? Uh, you can check me out at Phil Svitek on social media platforms. And I do have a website, philsvitek.com. So if, if you're up for it, check it out. And guys, my name is Jeff. I'm not a mole, but I do host here other shows. Um, just so you guys know, on Fridays I host a show called The Unproduced Table Read. For those of you fans of good writing, on that show we actually read unproduced scripts with award-winning writers and interview the writers on air. 
It's really fun, and I think it's educational for those of you guys who like to dissect specific writing components of good scripts. So that's Fridays on our sister network, the Popcorn Talk at 10 a.m. Of course, guys, we will be here next week on Monday at 4 p.m. to cover Silicon Valley Season 5, Episode 5, and we will see you then. Bye, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.